Today on IndieThinker with Reed Huberman, we discuss Jesse Smollett's response to sentencing and suggest that it may be an indication of a larger problem impacting the West as we dive deeper into wokeism. Because we'll see the White House is asking TikTok influencers for help on the Ukraine, and we'll see parents extolling the virtues of teaching their kids to cuss. All that and more on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the show today. Thank you for liking, sharing, and subscribing, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or other podcasting platforms. We appreciate your time and being informed. Long time ago, a uh, guy came up to me who was a, a man from Africa, and those dudes with those African accents always sound like, even if they say the most simple things, uh, that it's just somehow incredibly profound. But I happen to think that there was some profundity in, in this statement. He said, information is power. And he said that to me as I was getting my master's degree. He said, read information is power. And just the way he said that, it stuck with me. And uh, so now I say it all the time to my kids. Uh, and they laugh at me. But nonetheless, I do believe information is power in a sense, that there's th that it gives you the ability to make a greater impact and to certainly help yourself in a greater way when you become informed. So hopefully this show does that for you. If it does, please share the love and share this episode with others. Now, before we jump into our show today, I want to let you know that our show is sponsored by Element Funding. So, You've noticed, I've noticed, we've all noticed, gas prices are at an all-time high. I've heard even in places like California, it's over $7. And apparently, it's going to continue to go up even more steadily as this thing with Russia-Ukraine uh, goes on. So you can't really do anything about the gas prices, but they are going to go back down. However, there is something that you can do about your home pricing. Right now, there are low interest rates that are going to go up as we get closer and closer to the summer. Now, if you're complaining about gas prices, you don't want to be complaining about your interest rate because you can do something about it now by going to kevinblairteam.com and getting a low interest rate for your home by being pre-qualified for a home right now. And it's totally free. So what are you waiting on? Take a moment to go right now, go over there, see if you pre-qualify for a home, see what your interest rate is, and see if they can help you get into a brand new home at this important time before things get worse with the economy. So do that right now, and when you go over there, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. So I could take time on the show today to merely lament the fact and complain, which I'm good at, by the way, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, which in many ways I think you would agree it is. But I'd rather show you that it is. So I don't know if you saw the Jesse Smollett uh, kind of set up for the sequel to his first horrible acting job in which he pretended to be attacked by white supremacists wearing MAGA hats. But if you missed that, here's the trailer to the new sequel where Smollett reprises his role yet again as a hate crime hoaxer, this time with a great twist. You're going to love it. Now his attacker is in the same jail cell with Jesse. Here's that. I would just like to say to your honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I would like to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. 
and you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. Now, at first glance, anyone can see that Jesse means to attempt to harm himself in jail and accuse someone else of doing it. That seems to be the implication here, right? I am not suicidal. So he's gonna try to harm himself and then he's gonna blame it on somebody else. Apparently he thinks Epstein did kill himself. But the more startling aspect of this horrible acting job is the complete delusion that Jesse seems to have fallen prey to. Now, where does it come from? Is it the elitist left showing up um, and showing its true colors as he actually thinks that people are stupid enough to believe him and that he's way smarter than everybody else? Or is it rather that he's surrounded himself with people that refuse to tell him the truth? Maybe that's partly his family's fault who's ponying up right now and getting ready for their part in the sequel. And you can see that here. I have something I want to say quickly. Your name, ma'am? My name is Jazz Smollett. I'm his older sister. First of all, I want to say my brother is innocent. My brother Jesse is innocent. This should not be a controversial statement because it is the absolute truth. What should be controversial is the entire miscarriage of justice this whole ordeal has been. I pray peace over my brother. I pray the peace of God over my brother and all victims of oppression and hate. The, the most startling thing about all of this for me is not his family or the fact that he actually may think that people are stupid enough to believe him. I think Jesse actually believes it himself. I know that sounds ridiculous at first because Jesse was there when he didn't get, you know, become a victim of a hate, a hate crime. Um, and so he knows he wasn't the victim of a hate crime. But the inability to be honest, even in the face of such opposition, means that Jesse cannot bring himself to look in the mirror and admit the real problem. Is it more that he has told himself a lie long enough that he finally believes it? And he's so self-obsessed, so self-centered that he's convinced himself that somehow he is a victim. So even if he's lying right now, it's okay. Is he really the Emmett Till in some such nonsense? He's told himself that lie long enough and now he does believe it. And this is a well-documented reality of how this stuff happens. I mean, a poll taken back in 2019 say that some 70% of Russians still think Stalin was a great leader. That homicidal maniac that killed more than 30 million of his own people. But here in America, one can't help but look at the Rachel Dolezals of the world. Maybe you remember her, the girl that pretended she was black, taught black studies in university and was part of the ACLU. Um, remember that girl? Really, really white, but pretended she was black, did her hair and all that. And the Jesse Smollett's of the world. And, and, and we look at them and we can't help but ask, why is this happening? I mean, 10 years ago, five years ago, people like Jesse didn't exist. And, and now we're seeing more and more of this kind of delusional people who are drinking their own Kool-Aid. The answer, I think, is very simple. In the wake of losing religion that made the West uh, what it was, and, and in the midst of casting out higher authority, a higher authority like Holy Scripture, people have adopted a new religion, a religion of self, the cult of narcissism, if you want to call it that. It can be seen in American Idol, social media influencers, and phenomenons like that, and all throughout the victimology mentality of the radical left. So what is victimology except a way to feel important, a way to make yourself a victim so that you can draw attention to yourself? And what is modern day activism except a rendition of the cutting of past generations, a blatantly stupid and harmful attempt to make yourself feel alive somehow? Why do so many people feel so dead inside? 
Well, it's because we're dealing with a crisis of meaning, of epic proportions. Because when you leave true and fulfilling faith and spirituality and move into a make it up as you go along kind of thing, you ultimately fall prey to the cult of narcissism, narcissism, a religion of sorts where you become God and you become the center of your own universe and the arbiter of all things ethical and moral. Now, even Nietzsche, a renowned atheist, knew this to be a problem. Originally found in the gay science and then later on, uh, and thus spake Zarathustra, Nietzsche details the death of God following the enlightenment and asks, now that God is dead and has bled under our knives, we've killed him, who will wipe his blood from our hands? Now, many people think Nietzsche just meant this as some like bold declaration of freedom from religion and freedom from the oppression of the Catholic Church and a triumph over the divine. But rather, he meant it as a stark realization of the new world the Enlightenment has created. And perhaps even accidentally, he meant it as a warning, a warning that God used to be the one who could wash our, the blood from our guilty hands. And now that he's dead, there's no one left to clean our hands. Well, that is maybe except ourselves. So now we have the job. So Nietzsche's bold and soul-crushing statement leaves us with the shocking reality that if God is dead, then we are the only ones left to take his place. Now here's the real question. Do you fit? If God is not on the throne, something must take his place. And if that person is you, do you fit well in that throne? And only the most extreme narcissist would jump at the opportunity to replace God. But we're finding more and more people who are willing to take that on. And as we do so, we're moving further and further and further away from Christianity. Now, I can't help but connect the two, that we find ourselves at the center of the universe the further we move away from Christianity. Now, some may say that's an exaggeration and ask me to prove my point, and I can at least point to the fact that idolatry of self and the new religion of narcissism does have a temple, and it's found online and found on social media platforms. So, so just follow me here. Everyone now has a pulpit and an audience to worship them wherever they go, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. While it's easy to, to dismiss the world of social media as fake and not important as the real world, well, the White House sure seems to think that TikTok influencers have a role to play in foreign policy on the Ukrainian crisis. So maybe it's not as far-fetched to think the religion of narcissism is more prominent than you think. And we'll see how prominent it is, it is today in our headlines. But suffice to say, regardless of what it is that you believe, now because of social media, you can find a circle where you can find other people who think just like you. Whereas in times past, if you had a very aberrant idea and a very, maybe let's just say, self-centered, narcissistic idea, you would be left alone in your home to contemplate your life choices. But now we have this self-affirming technology called social media where we can come up with the most ridiculous and the more ridiculous the better ideas and find people who actually affirm that reality for us on social media. And all it has done is padded us from the real world and from the reality that what we've constructed is a lie where we find ourselves worshiping ourselves as it were, in our own ideas, rather than reflecting on them to actually see if they're logical, rational, and worth holding. Nonetheless, here we find ourselves in the midst of a generation of people who are more and more falling for the cult of narcissism and egocentrism. And again, I'll show it to you in our headlines today. Let's jump into those.
The White House now briefed TikTok influencers on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And that's according to Yahoo Finance. All right, so it's not just journalists who were being briefed at the White House. It is also TikTok influencers who have continued to have a prominent role in the Biden administration. Some might say just because social media is a reality and we need to lean into that reality, while some of us might actually think that maybe fixing the mainstream media and getting them to actually tell the truth might be a, a good solution. But nonetheless, according to the Washington Post, uh, we've learned that Jen Psaki and the National Security Council advisor Matt Miller helped virtually brief 30 TikTok influencers, including Khalil Green and Jules Turpak, on the U.S. approach to the war. They outlined the U.S. strategic objectives in the area and answered creators' questions on subjects ranging from relief efforts to a theoretical response if Russia used nuclear weapons. I mean, couldn't get better than that. TikTok influencers and nuclear weapons. The White House Digital Strategy Director Rob Flattery characterized the briefing as both an effort to provide reliable information from an authoritative source. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that wasn't a joke. Okay, anyway, and acknowledge TikTok is a critically important source of updates on the Ukraine. It's hoping to find information by reaching millions of TikTok followers in their words. So there were concerns the briefing didn't tackle hard questions. Jules, I'm going to butcher this last name, but uh, the operator of TikTok account Good Morning Bad News said it felt like a press event for kindergartners. All right, so I gotta, I gotta go to the last thing first, right? It felt like a press briefing for kindergartners basically because that's who you people are. We'll get to that in just a moment, but but first off, I, I was I just wanna tell you, I was gonna dig into Khalil Green and Jules Turpak since they're named in the article and just kinda give you the flavor for who they are and what they have, what brilliant things they have to offer on social media. Uh, however, I'll let you do that. And rather, uh, when I did that myself, actually what I found is that it's just pretty typical stuff. Uh, unfortunately. Um, and I didn't want to go around beating up these young kids who most adults realize have little clue what they're talking about. So, so needless to say, um, I, I don't want to focus on them. I just want to rather focus on, because by the way, you can go do that yourself. You can go look up Khalil Green's uh, Twitter account or TikTok account, forgive me, and then Jules Turpak as well. Uh, and you can see kind of the flavor of what's there. And so it just, it leads to the bigger, more broad question. And this goes back to the kindergartner thing. Do you want to listen to a group of really young people educate you and instruct you after they have been instructed by the government? And do you want those same people targeting your kids on social media? So I think the answer that you'll have to, to, to give at the end of the day is this, is, is if you think the government is really good at stuff, then perhaps that's a good solution for you. However, if you think that the government mostly does simple things really, really horrible and just makes them way more difficult, then perhaps you might suggest that this is a horrible idea. So long story short, I think there's obvious problems when we have very, very young people between their TikTok dances trying to also tackle big foreign policy issues. But there's also the added extra element of the government being involved, which is never a good thing. But let's face it, whether it's these TikTok influencers or just social media itself, social media is the bastion of all things hip hypocritical and self-centered. So right now, according to Reuters, 
Facebook will temporarily allow posts calling for violence against Russians and calls for Putin's death. Now, I'll remember not too long ago where you couldn't post anything about Hunter Biden's laptop and you couldn't post anything about the efficacy of cloth masks or maybe even the hypocrisy of Fauci. Um, and, and I remember the American president, I remember that guy, getting kicked off of social media for what they said was stoking um, uh, stoking the January 6th riot. But now, uh, Facebook has suspended their moral high ground in order to allow people to call for the death of Putin and for violence against Russians. Um, you know, not too long ago, I also remember in the wake of the Black Lives Matter, you know, fiasco, I remember that Asian hate became this real big thing. And so we, we, we can't call COVID the Chinese flu, right? And then I also remember in the wake of 9-11, Islamophobia became a thing, just widespread, it was everywhere. And so you couldn't pinpoint anybody just simply because of their ethnicity, right? And, and, and that became something we need to be on high alert from. But of course, now, if you're going after Russians and as the Facebook policy suggests, you can call for the death of Putin, you just can't give it a day and a location. So you can say, I'm gonna poison uh, Putin or Putin should be poisoned. But, but you just can't say, I'm going to poison Putin tomorrow in Kiev or whatever. So, so you can call for the death of Putin for what reason? I guess just simply because he's white? Well, perhaps it's not really that uh, they're truly hypocritical, but they know that the Democrats are coming for them and that they have an obligation to bow down and pay obeisance to them who already want to control the platform. So if they can't control the platform via Mark Zuckerberg, which probably a foregone conclusion, they'll control it via the influencers and the people who are posting stuff. But, but herein, we see this big problem, and this is the problem of hypocrites, and this is the problem of narcissists. We want the law for our enemies, and we want forgiveness for our friends. And this is not only the issue with social media, but this is the problem with narcissism writ large. When we become the arbiters of truth, we can just arbitrarily do whatever we want. We can put on a bunch of social media influencers that will do exactly what we tell them to do, and then we can also censor Facebook and make them do exactly what we want them to do. You know, it's really astounding how when you don't really have true, strong moral virtues, when you don't derive them from a specific source, but rather they're arbitrary and you just kind of make them up as you go along, it's funny how quickly you can go into the law for my enemies and forgiveness for my friends. It's interesting how quickly you can just flip on a dime and just change the rules, as it were. Well, that's what the left is doing all the time, and this is what the cult of narcissism is doing in our world, and I can even go a little bit further and prove it to you in terms of parenting. Because now, uh, TikTok influencers again, influencers again, are teaching their kids and allowing their kids to cuss, and they have good, great moral reasons for doing so. So here's a little bit of that video. Shit, I forgot something. There's no cussing in this house, unless I'm doing it. Are you okay? Do you need any help? Thank you for remembering to only use swear words when it's just you and I home. For more than one reason, and mostly because I'm a potty mouth and I don't want to stop swearing, we have rules that our daughter can swear when we're home alone. She gets to graze in the pasture but we have a nice fence around it in which she needs to stay. We don't use swear words to disrespect people. We don't use swear words to call people names. And we only swear when we're at the house. But you gotta do what works for you and your family. 
You know, I was always told that people who do not express themselves well or are not educated enough to express themselves well resort to cussing. Um, I certainly think that's true of some really, really bad comics. I won't say any names, I'll just tell you that they, instead of being funny, replace funny with volume and just shout and yell stuff loud. You can probably put down in the comment section who you think that comedian may be. Uh, but instead of being funny, just shout things really loud. Uh, so, uh, so the replacement today for actual parenting in this case, or the replacement for actually being a good parent, um, is this excuse, right, of, uh, well, cussings, they're just, they're just words, right? And, and it doesn't matter if we just use meaningless words. Like if you said that word in France, why does anybody care about that? Well, it goes back to the reality that you might want to try to help your kids become articulate. No, but we're not going to do that. We're going to teach them that cussing is okay, mostly because you have a potty mouth and you don't want to stop cussing. I mean, this is stated in the video. And I wouldn't even bring this stuff up because, right, this is what people like me are accused of all the time. Like, why do you even care? Why is this a big deal? Why are you making a big deal about this one parent? Here's why. Because this one parent had millions of people watch this video in which they are telling their, the, the world and their kids that it's okay to cuss. And you realize that this video created so much traction because they're not alone. There's actually a bunch of really horrible parents out there that think it's okay for their small children to be inarticulate and ignorant and to use cuss words instead of actually learning how to speak in a civilized manner. So it's not that this person has a potty mouth and doesn't want to stop swearing merely, it's that they have an addiction. And that addiction is an addiction to TikTok and an addiction to attention. Because let's face it, this parent knew more so and probably knows deep down inside of their heart that this kind of cussing, since they can't do it out in the open and they say, hey, just don't do this in front of other people. Since they know that there's something deeply wrong with it, uh, what they're willing to suspend that for the sake of likes and attention. That's how deeply, desperately in need of a moral center and something bigger than ourselves that we are today, that we are willing to sacrifice our kids on the altar of attention. Now, far be it from me to go back to the Bible and give suggestions like sacrificing your children on the altar of Molech in order to save yourself and get good crops and that kind of stuff. I would never make that accusation and say that perhaps there's kind of a form of that taking shape in our modern society since it's illegal to kill your kids. We'll certainly sacrifice them through uh, transitional surgeries and transgenderism and hormone blockers and, and different things like that. And we'll absolutely mutilate our children for the sake of gaining attention for ourselves so that we can be shown as great moral virtues, uh, pillars of virtue. So, so far be it from me to suggest that, but I will just say this. The moral of the story is if you can't make simple sacrifices, like maybe even changing the way that you speak in order to help educate your kids and help them become decent human beings, then maybe you shouldn't have kids. And so here's my simple suggestion in the midst of all of this. Rather than getting a kid to practice on, maybe get a church so that you can like experience community and other people and test the ridiculous ideas that you have in the backdrop of other people who actually may be doing a good job of raising their kids. Or maybe just get a dog. That way you can practice on the dog and then you don't have to ruin a kid's life because you think that it's funny that your child cusses. Um, so the moral of the story at the end of the day is we keep on making these, these sacrifices because we don't have any moral center. Because we are the arbiters of truth and of course, 
This brings us to our next story, where Mark Hamill is the Arbiter of Truth because, of course, he played a Jedi in movies. So according to the Huffington Post, Mark Hamill and Ben Shapiro are going at it over the supposed don't say gay bill. So this guy, is, by the way, is the spat we didn't know that we needed. Because I'm just going to be, be honest with you, these kind of celebrity spats on Twitter and social media and stuff, um, I think they are mostly totally overwrought and just uh, very often for people on the right, just to be fair. But this is probably true on the left. But the most of the people who I pay attention to... Um, who do this kind of thing I see on the right, who are begging for attention, therefore they go after high-profile people uh, to try to get them to comment back with them, maybe start a Twitter war, and then uh, create this spat just to draw attention to themselves, right? It's a great way to break up the monotony in your pursuit of trying to build a platform. Uh, so I think very often that's what happens. So like when people just merely go out of their way to, uh, to pinpoint, uh, you know, Cardi B, and the stupid things that she says on a regular basis. I mean, perhaps there are people out there who actually listen to Cardi B, but the vast majority of people know that this person is not an intellectually astute source of information. So I guess, in other words, what I'm trying to say is just simply this, that, that Mark Hamill is a representative of something we know that's going on. Cardi B, when she's speaking, is just speaking for herself, thank God. Um, but Mark Hamill here is representing what a lot of people believe on the left because of the propaganda of the media. And so when he shoots up a, you know, a tweet and says, gay, 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 over and over and over and over and over again, because he actually believes that this bill has something to say about the word gay, it's because it's a representative of something else that's going on. So what is going on? What simply is going on is that the media lies and they have been doing it for a long time and they've been called out repeatedly to the point where you wonder to yourself, how can you still listen to them? And I'll go as far as to say right and left. How can you not truly want to become an independent thinker when you've seen over and over and over again these people want to lie to you? So needless to say, Mark Hamill is parroting a viewpoint here, but I want to read to you the tweet so that you'll have the context here. So Mark Hamill originally tweeted the word gay like 50,000 times with a rainbow and then been responded, so I take it you wish to indoctrinate small children into gender and sexual ideology because that's the only reason you're parroting idiotic propaganda. Of course, he's talking about the media lie of don't say, don't say gay. And then Mark Hamill responded by saying, hi, Ben. I love mind-reading acts, of course, because he's a Jedi, get it? Now guess which finger I'm holding up. So, great response from Mark Hamill, which always, you know, you can always trust the Hollywood elitist for just the most thoughtful responses, actually engaging the argument and actually engaging the idea that this is a propagandistic technique and that the bill actually doesn't say any of these things. You can always trust Hollywood to come back hardcore and just give you straight up truth bombs by flicking Ben Shapiro off. So here's here's the real point of all of this. First of all, I think it's I think it's hilarious. I think it's very telling too of a group of people who still believe the media. So to me, what the story really tells me is that you you need to choose a side. You need to pick a side because you're either going to be on a side that wants to and cares about the truth, which has been proven over and over and over again not to be the media. How can you believe them? In this case, the don't say gay bill was specifically chosen for propagandistic purposes. The bill doesn't even say the word gay and doesn't eliminate you being able to say the word gay. It merely tells you that pre-K through third grade that these kids 
are, are not supposed to be indoctrinated with any type of sexual ideology because they're small children. Okay, so nonetheless, so if you're going around saying the word gay because you're speaking truth to power, it's because you are ignorant and not paying attention. You've believed a lie. And so this is where we do have to choose a side. As for me and my house, I've chosen a side. So I'm choosing side truth. And I want people who are honest because that is what matters more to me. Uh, it matters more to me than gas prices. It matters more to me than higher taxes. I want the truth. This is the funny thing to me about the whole Donald Trump thing is that people still to this day do not understand why Donald Trump was elected. It has nothing to do with right, white rural uh, voters and white supremacy. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with this. People are sick and tired of being lied to. They're sick and tired of elitist coming around and lying to them. And then this is where you have to pick a side. So I'm a big tent person in that I believe we need to be as welcoming and as, as uh, kind to others uh, who have different perspectives as possible. But I don't believe in putting up your tent in a different carnival and then calling that big tent. So be big, but not so big that you're bringing in people who think that it's okay to um, sexually indoctrinate children that think it's okay to kill babies in the womb. These are big issues. And if your big tent is too small for people who believe that you should sexually indoctrinate children and kill babies in the womb, then they need to go find another tent, quite frankly. And if your tent is too small for people who still watch the news media, and I know when we're talking about death and the culture of death in America, those two things don't combine, but, but, but hear me on this. What I'm telling you is that in the culture of narcissism and in the religion of narcissism, truth is, is, is being attacked. And truth is a founding principle that without which we will continue to kill babies in the womb and we will continue to sexually indoctrinate children if truth isn't a virtue of the tent that you're in. So it's my belief that the truth matters and it matters all the more as we find ourselves desperately seeking for a moral center uh, a moral compass in our society. And that's no truer than as we're looking at movies like the one I'm about to review in our final segment, Christianity Not Today. Okay, so I thought I'd take our final segment today to talk about the new movie that is now on Disney Plus that you can stream for free if you're a subscriber to Disney Plus. Didn't go to the movie theaters, went straight to Disney Plus uh, to be pumped into your homes. Um, so I wanted to give a brief review about this movie, Turning Red. Um, now, first of all, let me just tell you what Turning Red is about. It's this coming of age story where it has this mythical element where this girl can just turn into this large red panda. So um, hopefully that's uh, enough of kind of like a review so that we can jump into some of the glaring issues here. So like, I could be accused of maybe making too much of something here, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw it at you and then see what you think about this. So this is a coming age of age story of a young girl and she turns into a red, hairy beast. So again, coming of age, puberty, 13 year old girl, she's hairy, hair on your arms and, and legs, and then she's red. I'm a gross red monster! <laughs> and even the logo for the movie is this, this red bloodied paw print of, of sorts. So, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to kind of go to understand what they're going with here that 
this is some big metaphor for a girl who is starting her period and is growing hair in strange places. Now, obviously, there's a role for helping girls understand this. I'm not sure that it's a movie quite like this. Again, this is another issue for parents. But here's the issue, is that in movies that Disney is pumping out these days, there's no place for parents. I mean, this is stereotypically, and this, you could think this is overwrought, but there's something to this, that in almost every single Disney movie, the parents, at least one of them, are dead. Or, as we'll see in this movie, it's, it's not just that the parents are dead, it's that the parents are kind of the enemies in the story. Um, so in this story, ultimately, one of the bigger problems here with this story is that it's an actual rejection of the role of parents in helping their kids overcome the rebellious nature that they develop, especially in their preteens and in their teenage years. So in this story of rugged individualism uh, in Turning Red, we see this young girl who is learning to reject her parents and rejected the role of her parents in her life and learning that her parents are the ones who need to step off and her parents are the ones who are wrong here and this young 13-year-old girl is the one who is actually the right, the person in the right here. So he, this whole idea throughout the whole movie is, is a lesson for parents to step off and a lesson for kids to lean into the rebellious nature. Now, I have a serious problem with that because in the process of that narrative, what's happening in the West is that we have this prolonged adolescence where kids now into their late 20s, especially young men and into their, late 30, and into their early 30s, are still living at home, playing video games, refusing to grow up, and rejecting all responsibility uh, that they can find in order to prolong their adolescence. This rebelliousness that is supposed to happen as a kid, quite frankly, it's a reality, it does happen. This rebelliousness as a kid is, is being prolonged because of narratives like the one we see in Turning Red. The people who are wise and more aged and who have been there and done that have a role in the life of children to help them as quickly as possible get past their rebellious stage. There's this idea, like pregnant in this movie, that what you're actually supposed to do is to adopt this rebellious personality as a young child, and then you're supposed to carry that with you the rest of your life because that's what it means to come of age. My whole life I've been perfect little May May, but maybe I like this new me. Actually, what it means to come of age is to overcome your rebelliousness and listen to the wisdom of your parents who have been there and done that and have experienced exactly what you're experiencing and can help you overcome that mere rebellious nature. But that's not what Turning Red does. Turning Red shows that the child was right all along and the parents were the stupid ones. Now, beyond that, there are these very troubling aspects like the statements from the lead character's mouth. I embrace all labels. So when they say I embrace all labels, what they really means is I embrace transgenderism because they really don't embrace all labels, do they? Right? They don't embrace, I am a conservative. Uh, they, don't, they don't embrace those labels. So they don't embrace all labels. What they really mean is that they embrace transgenderism. And then finally, the most troubling thing for me is when the movie puts abortion propaganda in the mouth of a little child and the little girl says, my panda, my choice. 
You're not going out like that, are you? <sighs> my panda, my choice, mom. So, I mean, that's radical. That, I know we're being desensitized by the media today, but to put in the mouth of a 13-year-old radical abortion propaganda and to have that come out of her mouth just in a different format is troubling to say the least. And so, I, I mean, all I can say is, what is wrong with you people? Do you really want to tick off the people who pay you, Disney? Do you really think it's smart to attack Ron DeSantis and to attack the parents, along the way, by the way, who pay your bills for the sake of your woke employees? To make them happy, you're willing to actually crucify and attack the people who pay your bills, who come every single summer and every single spring break to your park to entertain their families. We put you on the map and we can take you off the map. So I wanna encourage you, Disney, if you're really firm on uh, this rejecting this legislation that indoctrinates young children into radical gender ideology, if you really wanna oppose that, and you really wanna to continue to create movies that tell parents they're stupid and young kids that they're the smart ones and put radical propaganda in their mouths, um, I, I, I'll just say, if you feel froggy, keep jumping, son. Keep jumping. Because you can pack up Disney World and all of the money that you've invested in Florida there any day that you want, and you can go move it into a blue state if you'd like. But as for now, Florida's a red state, and it's under the best governor on the planet. So you're either going to have to put your money where your mouth is, or you're going to have to actually realize something. You serve the people who are your customers. So that's my review of Turning Red. Ultimately, a really gross analogy for puberty a really horrible coming of age story that continues to do what Disney movies do these days, which is encouraging rebellion against parents and then also encouraging rebellion against parents by putting propaganda in the mouths of, of young children. So um, if you watch it, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. You can leave that down in the comment section below. But suffice to say, I hope all of our stories today and especially this movie review comes back to just remind us of this one thing, that if we continue to search for meaning and purpose just merely through activism, sure, grab a hold of, of a cause, believe in that cause and, and, and fight for that cause. But just merely through activism, we're gonna find that we've believed in just a house of cards and that this, the sifting sands of our, our life are just gonna run through our fingers and we're gonna find that we didn't really actually believe in anything that was true, in anything that was was valuable, anything that was rock solid. So if you find that the media of today is not really filling that, that void inside of us, I've, I've got a suggestion. Maybe you could open up some books and I have a couple of good ones in mind, but we'll jump into that perhaps next time on the show. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks for liking, sharing, and subscribing. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.